Hello, everyone in the world. This is Sean Harrell. You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. This is the podcast we talk about the movies that have slipped through our cracks. And in particular, of late, we've been talking about the 1985 movies that maybe didn't slip through our cracks entirely, but are prominently in our cracks uh, and around our cracks. I have another crack with me today, of course, as always. So uh, say hello, co-host. Craig Cracker-Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Sean, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, man. This is going to drop right before Halloween, so I don't know. I'm feeling particularly excited about Halloween this year for some reason. We've carved a pumpkin. We've already done that. We got our candy. Yeah. Uh, We got some decorations, and mostly I think I'm just looking forward to eating the candy, I think. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we have costumes for the kids. There is Mm -hmm. a pumpkin somewhere. Sweet. So I feel like we're pretty ready. And you have your hockey mask and machete? Uh, As always, sharpened up, ready for the weekend. Uh, well, if you can't tell, yeah, we're going to get into some horror tonight uh, from nine, 1985. And if you're not caught up, no problem. But if you want to go check out all our episodes, I'd say just go to neverheardpodcast.com. What about you, Craig? I would recommend the same. You can go yeah. there. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, podcast, as always, is on the old iTunes or Stitcher. We're in most places. But are we on Elm Street? No, we're definitely not Elm Street. Whoo! Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. Kill for me! And he is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. Let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Craig. Sean. You've told me you've seen this movie quite a few times. Yeah. I think we should start watching it again. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this movie? And can you put it into some kind of context as to how either good, bad, equal, indifferent it is to the other movies in sort of the original set of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies? I'll do my best. Okay. The first one was terrible, always... Terrible, right? The fir- what's that? What's that? <laughs> Just terrible, right? The first one was awful. Why yeah. they made more sequels, no one will ever know. <laughs> no, you know, the, the first one, to me, was always the scary one. The, the rest of them sort of became less and less scary as time went on. So the first one was scary. The second one always felt a little odd. Mm-hmm. It still it still was treating Freddy like he was scary mostly. Um, you don't have all the sort of one-liners and everything that you have in the rest of them. Like starting with three, he is a he is a joke machine. <laughs> yes, and and three is great, but but yeah, it's like it's like it's it really becomes kind of a kind of a comic book, which is fun. Yeah, but but two two was always odd, and and definitely when I was a kid, I did not pick up really on the subtext of what was going on. Yeah. And I, and I would say that it's very possible that two is the only nightmare movie that has a lot going on in the subtext. <laughs> it does. And yeah. maybe we should just say like, yeah, if you, if you skipped the tee up episode for this movie and this discussion, we talked a little bit about how there's a lot of stuff online about how, 
this movie is filled with homoeroticism and the subtext of a character who is closeted uh, dealing with those inner feelings, I guess. And knowing that going into it, yeah, I've... <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for it, you're definitely going to find it. Yeah. Maybe even if you're not, uh, it's it's right in front of you. you know? Yeah. So that was the different experience for you this time watching it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but before to me it was, I, I don't know, the humor in it always felt a little off. The 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 the, the performances were not necessarily the sharpest, but mm-hmm. it always kind of had. I guess I was always surprised because this, as a sequel, it really does have a story that is as involving as the first one and yet is not a retread of that first story. Gotcha. Um, it's very similar. It's, off, it's yeah. using the same rules. It's building on the foundation, but exactly. Like I, I kind of felt like that was a really interesting way to go with it. So yeah, what, what were your feelings? So you've never seen it before. Is that right? Uh, nothing about it struck a chord other than the you've got the body, I've got the brains line. Oh, right. uh, just because I think like that's permeated pop culture at this point. Right. And maybe the image of the sort of Freddy tongue, I guess it's yeah. Freddy's tongue or it's supposed to be, the sort of the monster tongue coming out of uh, Jesse uh, in this movie when he's getting hot and heavy with Lisa. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of remember that image. Yeah. Beyond that, no. I think Dream Warriors was definitely my first introduction to this franchise. And I've seen the original certainly since then, but it's it's been a long time since I've watched that even. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't man, I have no clue if I've seen any of these other movies. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. They get pretty bizarre. But but I just want to take a second though, because I was curious what you thought about this. Like to me, Watching this, and then the other movie we're talking about is Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. And we talked about last time how that is sort of uh, almost like a reboot of the franchise in a way Mm -hmm. because Part 4 was supposed to be the final chapter, right? Right. And I wondered if maybe Nightmare on Elm Street 2, because again, this is the number one horror movie of the year, actually got a box office boost because of the expectations coming off of the previous movie, which, again, had only been out a year before. And maybe Friday the 13th actually was hurt at the box office because of the low expectations coming off of, oh, my God, they made another one of these after they just said it was a final chapter. (laughs) Because I do think Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is... A, just, it's not scary. Like, there's nothing about it in this movie that was frightening to me at all. Not really. And I I spook easily. Sure. I also thought I wanted more Freddy. And, like, that's a very fine line to walk, too, because, like you say, you can get way too much Freddy, and he turns into, like, you know, a late-night TV host. Um, And that's not good either. But here, I was just a little confused by the lack of Freddy and the, the general sort of gist of the transition from Freddy being the guy that's haunting Jesse's nightmares and killing people to then using Jesse to kill people. Like that to me is still, like, right. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like a lot of this movie just like story-wise and whatnot was just straight up ridiculous. And oh, yeah. uh, from the word go and yeah, I mean, I think, the subtext of it and all the other stuff is kind of interesting. Like in some ways, if you could just remove the Freddy element from this, it'd be really, really interesting 
kind of character study about this high school kid losing it a bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. And being the new kid on the block and trying to kind of fit in this at this school. There were still moments where I'm like, man, this original concept is is pretty interesting. Like the concept of Freddy, like this guy that haunts your dreams. Mm-hmm. And just specifically who he is and how he looks. Like that's creepy, no right. doubt. And it's a shame in a way that it kind of became the, the comical, I guess, or even like the stuff of parody. Yeah. Because I do think like, yeah, like that's a mess. Like this guy that killed kids that haunts you in your nightmare. Like that's messed up. Yeah. You know, and can kill you in your sleep. Yeah. And that's what was always so effective too was, was that, that feeling of, you know, uh, you don't want to go to sleep. You're trying to stay awake. No one can stay awake forever. And there's always that moment of, wait, am I asleep? I'm, am I awake? And him being able to get you. And, and, and g- just going to what you were saying about, um, about not having a lot of Freddy, I kind of think that's another reason why I like it. And I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. And, and I do feel the same way to a degree. But I kind of feel like, but that's also what keeps him feeling menacing. Is like oh, he's sure, not just yeah. there every second of the movie. It's like w- when he shows up, things are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I haven't watched the the original in a long time, so I may be not remembering that very well. But I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that one was the same way. Like that movie was about Nancy, and this yeah. movie's about Jesse. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's not about Freddy. It becomes about Freddy yeah, in the in the third one. Then it's all about Freddy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I say, I think it's it's definitely like usually a case where less is more, mm-hmm. and I I don't know like I, I'm talking about like a small percentage more or just the moments that he's in. I guess like I I wanted to be a little more frightening. Sure, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and like maybe I, that yeah. way you feel the presence of Freddy a little bit more, and it's it's less about like actual real estate, right? Than it is just about what he's doing when he's there, right? You know. Well, and I think it has, you know, a little bit to do with this is also the movie where things start sort of getting really explained, I guess. Yeah. And that that always kind of hurts a little bit. It does because I still <laughs> I still came away confused a little bit. Actually, like yeah. the scene I think maybe that's the most exposition about who he is is when a like oh god We'll have to get into every. I mean, like th- when I say the movie's ridiculous, it is. There's so many moments where humans are supposed to just be humans, and they fail at mm-hmm. <laughs> like doing human things, right? Yeah. And one of them was sort of like piggybacked on this dance montage where Jesse's just mm-hmm. like partying in his room to some music and like getting his butt right up into his drawer to close it oh, as he's yeah. putting away his clothes, and then Lisa, the girlfriend, shows up unexpectedly. And the mom lets her in the room, you know, and Jesse says something about, I was just cleaning my room. And Lisa's like, I know. It's like, how would you know that? Like, no, you don't. Like, how, <laughs> you could tell that? Like, you just, yeah. you just walked in. Like, he wasn't, there's no way you could tell. But anyway, that's the scene where they kind of get, I think, into the diary of, now, was that Nancy from the original? That was Nancy's diary left behind right. conveniently in a very easy to spot space in the, in the closet. For sure. But I do like how they handled that scene because it sure. started out like they're reading it and it's like, oh, you know, it's it's it sort of sounds like she's describing like seeing the neighbor naked and right. then like this interaction with this guy, like it's going to be some sort of like steamy, like love scene. 
affair thing. And then it, just the way it turns into, you know, and then he killed somebody. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, like that was cool, I thought. Yeah. But it's still, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like explaining it is is one thing and then still I was confused and we talked a little bit about the fact that you know Freddy is completely visible to all those kids at the party at the end of this movie and killing some of them and I was like well is this happening in a dream like I don't know is this is he acting through Jesse's body and Jesse's not asleep well see that okay and you're absolutely right uh but I always explain that away by the fact that that he kind of came out of Jesse's chest in that one scene. Right. I mean, it's not it's not the best explanation because then he's in a mirror that Jesse's looking at. Right. But then and Jesse's and, not dead. Right. And then he does come jumping that... out of the concrete of the pool. Mm-hmm. In real life, that's that's going to take some planning. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of logistics. Right. Uh, but yeah, I always kind of thought of that as, as you know, I, oh, I brought him in the real world because Nancy brings him into the real world at the end of the first one. Okay. And it's, but it's just for a, a short time. But she's like, oh, if I can bring him, because she brings his hat That's out at some point. That's how you kill point. him? She's like, oh, if I grab onto him and I wake up at the same time, then I'll bring him into the real world. Yeah. Which is great. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, certainly when you're, when, when you're making a movie about, people who get hurt in their dreams and all of a sudden weird stuff can happen whenever people do start to play pretty fast and loose with that. Um, yeah. I think you have to a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought all of that happened. That, that, that was my take on it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely happened because there's other people there and, uh, and they're witnessing it and they're hurt by it. Uh, but so no I don't one, know. but no one ever, no one from the party ever comments on it later. Like, no. that was the thing, like, at the end of the movie, well, when the girl's the like, dream. hey, that party yeah. was really good, and I was thinking, wait a second, people definitely got trampled and killed Yeah, was there. she like, at the same party? party? But then, of course, it's a dream, so it's like, oh, well. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there isn't well, that There isn't that sort of a strict uh, in- Inception dream world, you know, rule book yeah. that's being kept here. Well, and it, it just... I don't know, I guess piggybacking on that, like it wasn't clear to me like why Freddy wants Jesse to kill for him because he does like specifically say that, I think. I mean, I don't know that it matters. Like again, like if you try to explain that in the movie itself, you know, you're bound to get like something not good, right? Right. But do you make heads or tails of that? Like, well, he just likes to kill kids and that's like the easiest way to do it. Well, his thing. As opposed to getting in somebody else's head. Well, his thing was always that he's getting revenge on all those parents who killed him, right? Yeah. So he's going he's gonna to kill all the kids on Elm Street. So then this new kid moves into the Elm Street house. But, I mean, why, why <laughs> is that the Elm Street house? Because his house is the old power plant that for some reason has lights on all night and is still yeah, working. Yeah. Sure, sure. It's a good question. So, but, 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 I mean, he did, but Freddie did ostensibly die inside of that house. I can forgive that, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, why why not just why not just keep going after people in their dreams? Yeah. Like for mo- there's only gonna be like one kid who's ever gonna fight back. The rest of them have no idea what's going on. Right. And I only really bring it up is because I think that actually led to the weakest part of the Freddy storyline for me was at the very end when he's ostensibly trying to kill 
Lisa, and I think they're back in that power plant, right? Or mm-hmm. And it appears that Lisa's strategy to defeat Freddy is to just keep telling Jesse that she loves him. That's right. That's how, just, you, that's how you beat Freddy. I thought, uh, no, that's not how you beat Freddy. I, right. I think that's a pretty big risk you're, you're taking there, Lisa, yeah. uh, young Meryl Streep. And, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't sure uh, that would work necessarily. I didn't either. But all of that, I think, I think all of this is just all bundled up into the fact that we have some filmmakers here, or, or at least a screenwriter apparently, who is intent on sort of using this movie as a way to sort of talk about a kid who's in the closet and and has a lot of burgeoning feelings he doesn't know how to deal with and it's very scary for him. Right. And I and so I So if he just accepts Lisa's heterosexual love, he yeah. can kill the monster, the gay monster inside of him. See, that's that's really where it falls apart. Like the rest of yeah. it kind of makes sense, like kind of being no. scared, you don't know what's going to happen. But then once once Freddy comes out, then uh, then people are just dying. And exactly like, until you kiss a girl, you can't destroy this monster. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't think them. I, I I mean I, I said that, but I don't think that's really the intention there. Well, it's not the intention, I mean, but you, yeah. definitely theme wise, like you yeah. you can't ignore that ending. Sure. Because because they, they they're never because Sean, do you ever feel like these two are really boyfriend and girlfriend? And in fact, that was a big question I had was even whether or not they were dating. Yeah, like it wasn't they... clear to me up front. But but I've got to say, like, I mean, they're making out like there's boobage yeah. and, you know, he's rounding the bases. Sure. I didn't necessarily read. And we'll just yeah, we should just go ahead and get into all of this. Yeah. I didn't read Jesse as a homosexual or even necessarily closeted, I guess, per se. I right. think there's a lot of homoeroticism to the interactions right. that he has with Robert Russler, a buddy from yeah. Weird Science, particularly. And the coach, the gym guy, I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, he's like the blatant representation of it all, yeah. Yeah, and his death, I mean. Yeah. He's naked in a shower getting whipped hit by with a towel demonic in the ass cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And, like, also yeah. amazing that none of this was like, hey, wait a second, what's going on in this movie when you were a kid? Or, you know, not, not, not <laughs> at I'm all. I'm sure, like, hundreds of other kids just watched this and, like, didn't, yeah. like, bat an eye about it. But I don't know. I mean, do you read Jesse as homosexual in this thing, as, even as closeted? Well, all I can really say is every other time I've watched it, I didn't read it that way at all. Yeah. This time I definitely did because that's okay. what I was looking for. Yeah. And and it and it really was kind of like like when they're making out, they're making out, and and it seems like oh, you know here we go like I, I don't know I don't want to say it, like everything's gonna be fine, but it's like then but then Freddie comes out, as he's making out yeah. with her and he's like oh no I gotta go, That's and it, again yeah. it just feels like yeah this is a kid who's struggling with his sexuality he does not know if he's coming or going right now, right, and like he's trying to figure it out and and certainly in 1985 America. That's a that's a scary prospect mm-hmm. for a teenager. And Rustler lays it out right because he goes to Rustler's house. He's like, "Don't fall asleep. Like, watch me if I'm, you know, uh, if I start to act crazy, like wake me up." Yeah. But Rustler has the line something like, "Like, so you could be with your girlfriend, but you're here with me right now, All like right, in my yeah. room." And I'm kind of like, "Yeah, man. Like that's like that's these are all the questions that are being put to Jesse right now, and yeah. he just he can't deal with it." 
Um, By the way, I don't want to let the moment pass without asking. Did you notice that Robert Rustler uh, had a leather like duvet on his bed? I love that. <laughs> or vinyl that or room. That, that room is amazing. amazingly <laughs> 80s. That yeah. wallpaper is incredible. Like mm-hmm. everything about that room. Oh, yeah, yeah. The leather duvet. Man, yeah. I always wanted to be a kid with a leather duvet. You know what I mean? It never crossed my mind that such a thing even exists. I got to be completely honest. Well, <laughs> I missed and, out on that boat. Yeah. Well, and as long as we're on Rustler, he was also delightfully weird in this movie. He is. And he's, he sounds like a completely different person. Yeah. He's pretty good in both of these movies, I think, yeah. in the roles that he has. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, just to get back to the thing, mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting layer to this movie. I mean, in some ways, like, by far the most interesting thing. Like, if that yeah. is the read that you take on it, is, like, this is a, a kid trying to make sense of, like, his, his feelings inside and fit in in this place and knowing that he's different um, from the societal norm. Especially because, like, one of my favorite lines was when the mom is saying that uh, Jesse needs therapy and Clue Gulliger, the dad, is like, he needs a good goddamn kick in the pants. Right. And then later it's like, what he needs is a methadone clinic, which, A, <laughs> those are two very different <laughs> very different things. If yeah. you think your kid needs a kick in the pants, that's one thing. If you think he needs a methadone clinic, get him help, like, period. <laughs> and Clue so, but is yeah. a- is a national treasure. <laughs> he is so interesting in this movie. And funny. I mean, but yeah. yeah, his rhythms are are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like I, I do think, <coughs> even within that, you've got parents who are, you know, both being sensitive to the fact that their kid is going through something, mm-hmm. and still kind of clueless about the actual like the fact that he even needs help. Period. Right. Yeah. Uh, if it is his sexuality, so I do think. Maybe it just is the ending that is really problematic. Uh, other than this, maybe how blatant the subtext is right. when you really like pay attention to it. I mean, like that freaking dance montage, dude. Dance He's montage, got like what was that weird, like completely phallic, yeah, toy thing that he's hanging onto right in front of his crotch and like popping off with it as his mom. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I, I was look, I was trying to, I was looking up what the thing was. Yeah. And trying to get like what what the, what the real name of it is and I put popper in like I was googling popper. Uh-oh. And and one of the things that comes up is is poppers uh which was kind of a popular sort of low stakes drug at a time that's oh. very that was very at least was very popular mm-hmm. in in the gay scene. Interesting. And I was like like every road I'm going on right now. What about It's kind of bringing bringing me back to this theme. What about stay up pills, which are S T A hyphen U P? Yeah, loved that. <laughs> um, also, did you notice the cereal box that the daughter, uh, the sister, oh, is yeah. eating? Fu Manchu's C H E W S. Brilliant. Fu Manchu's. I, do, you, looks, do you think and, those and it are real? Look like no. Okay, I didn't. I mean, think it so doesn't. Either, right? To to me, that that was the thing. Like like the artwork on that. Like it didn't look like it. It, it was so designed for her to take those fingers out. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And have that moment. But you know, here was another thing I, I had. I wasn't thinking about before. And maybe it's only the kiss at the end that really kind of ruins the story under it. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't ruin it. But but it's sort of like so he goes to he goes to Rustler's Grady is his name in the movie. He goes to Grady's yeah. room. And by the way, just goes into Grady's room, like in the middle of the night. Well, yeah, that's just what you do. How did he get? It? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, I think well, he climbed up through the window. 
Maybe. But still, that's pretty just to set the stage bold. for this, I'm still not completely sure that these guys are friends. Yeah, like really. I thought they became friends at the very beginning, just sort of kind of, of friends yeah, even because though, they were being punished together. Well, they fight each other in the opening you know, yeah. scene between the two. Anyway, yeah. But I mean, Freddy essentially comes out in that scene. Okay. So like if Jesse's scared of his feelings and he's that got feelings for Grady, mm-hmm. that's where the feelings come out. And this is his worst nightmare is that mm-hmm. that this this thing inside of him is going to hurt his friends and and, all, and and like destroy his friendships and stuff like that. So I'm trying to look at it as, yeah, I'm trying to hold it together so the end works, <laughs> Sean. I'm trying to figure yeah. out my way there. Well, um, and it's interesting too because Lisa, I think in that scene where she's just repeating that she loves Jesse. Yeah. But she's saying it to Fred. Does she she kisses Freddie too, right? She kisses him. Yeah. So like gross. I feel yeah. like that's the only thing I can't get around. Like like just being supportive and saying I love you, I love you, like yeah. everything's going to be okay. We can figure this out. Like that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, actually maybe really it's improves like this the movie. is what <laughs> it feels like to kiss someone from an opposite gender. With if you're not so inclined to be attracted Maybe. to that, uh, or, or I mean, I he, he could be bisexual. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like it's so close mm. to actually like having a complete. It really is through line that I, th- I do think that falls apart there at the end. It's like By finding way, an entirely different movie inside of another movie. That yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I do kind of wish I could go back and watch it without that, just to see what it would be like. Um, yeah. But did you notice? who Grady's father was in that scene because we only see him oh yeah time. uh Ferris is Ferris yeah. Miller's dad <laughs> Lyman Ward I n- had no idea that guy's name is Lyman L-Y-M-A-N what Lyman a great that's name. fantastic yeah Mr. Ferris Bueller's dad how about that um let's talk a little bit about Jesse himself and mm-hmm. Mark Patton because I yeah. do think I think he sold it in this movie. I mean, I, I think yeah. he he did his damnedest uh, with that performance there. Absolutely. And you know, we talked a little bit about, and you can go online and read all this stuff. Maybe we'll maybe try to cull some of it together. But you know, he, he certainly makes some claims that he was pushed in a direction of of emphasizing mm-hmm. the uh, the subtext of being closeted there. All right. And. I think maybe most noticeably in the screams, because he screams a lot in this movie, and yeah. it's a very high-pitched scream, if you will, just to it follow, is. you know, the sort of stereotype there. Um, but man, the first time you see him in this movie is in a dream or a nightmare. Yeah, dude, on the back of that bus, like the I was like, this kid's got leukemia or something. Like he looks horrible. <laughs> Like, yeah, it he, really he looks does. pretty bad. Like, yeah, like and the I was hair like, is all matted down, and yeah, I don't yeah. know what that's about. And I thought, well, holy shit! Like, if they're playing this guy as, because I didn't know it was a dream at that point, you know, I was like, oh man, right. here's this kid that's like really a loner in high yeah. school, you know. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. If, if yeah, if he's supposed to be gay, and then like this is what he looks like. I mean, damn, like, but it's not. And, it's just part of the dream sequence. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that, that's the thing. Yeah. That's one of the things about this movie. It's so slippery because, like, yeah. you're writing down notes about a scene like, that would never happen. It's like, oh, it's a dream. Yeah. All right. Scratch that one out. Um, and it's a very though, elaborate dream. Like, let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, because, sure. like, if Freddie is creating these things, like that dream in particular, like you're on a bus right. going to school 
And then the bus starts going too fast. And then the bus is like going through desert land. And then it's like on a stone pillar yeah. over the bowels of hell, basically. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Jesus, this is like yeah. both elaborate and ridiculous. <laughs> uh, that's a lot for Frey to go through to just like if he's just trying to fuck with somebody or kill somebody. He's been know. he's been planning it out for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I kind of think it's interesting that uh, just just as as a note for our subtext, the the first thing that's happening on that bus, or or his first interaction with people on that bus, are right. two girls in a seat up ahead of him, yeah, sort of looking back at him and and kind of like giggling about him, like uh, like you know he's some kind of outcast essentially, yeah, or at least that's how I took it. No, so it's, it's already I think like it's immediately. A, it's yeah. well, yeah, and I I think it's interesting that it is two girls, and then you get the sense or at least I did, that once we do see him at school and there's like a baseball game and it's clear that, you know, Rustler is sort of the alpha male in this group and the Mm -hmm. next thing you know, like, they're fighting. Yeah. And as they're fighting... Butts in the air. Jesse's ass (laughs) is hanging out with a jockstrap on because his pants keep getting pulled down and he very clearly is trying to lift up Robert Rustler's shirt, which again... If they were pushed to do that by the director, which I can only imagine they were, then yeah, that is a little yeah iffy, iffy for me. But I totally thought, okay, well, Rustler's clearly the bully in this movie, and this is like it's yeah. only going to escalate from here, and it doesn't. Like, I, it's almost yeah. immediately then that we, they're in the locker room, and boy, are they in the locker room shirtless a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the abs are flying. Um, that it's like, oh. They don't really hate like each other. Like, there's not that kind of relationship here. Um, There's something a little bit different. And I don't know. I don't really get the sense that they were friends prior to that baseball thing. Well, I mean, I I think I think he's too much of a new kid. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't don't think he's really friends with anybody. Like, yeah, you know. But it was sort of like, okay, this happened. But you know what? The freaking gym coach is worse than, you know, you, new yeah. kid. You yeah. Know? And then the new kid can be like, yeah, you're right, he is. And I think that's actually when, um, A, prior to that locker room scene, after the fight, the, I think the first words out of the gym coach or some of the first words are assume the position, which, Yeah. you know raising flags and then Russell actually says like about the gym coach that he hangs around queer joints and S&M clubs and that's again their language not mine but um, it was like man yeah this is not wasting any time like shoving this in your face like it really yeah. is kind of crazy in that regard and I, I don't know I mean I, I just haven't gone down the rabbit hole to know like if there are other horror movies that deal with that subject of like being closeted and, and like you know you're you know intersexuality versus your whatever your the facade you're putting out there but it is an interesting subject for a horror movie i think yeah absolutely you know well i mean certainly if if you're dealing with that anxiety like it'll yeah. tap into something real very real for you and and really i think it taps into it almost for 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 anyone at that age yeah. like you can you can understand that feeling on some oh, yeah. level no matter what yeah for sure i mean this kid like if they had taken out all the like blatant homoeroticism. He's like, yeah, he's just like a normal teenager, like dealing with normal teenage shit, you know. Yeah. Um, and the angst involved and all that, especially being the new kid. 
I love, and I feel like this is an 80s trope thing, but maybe not. And I, I don't even have a great example right now, but just like guys uh, in high school having shitty cars. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's got a great one in this one. You know, and of course, it's like a convertible, but um, I loved that. It was a little confusing to me. Like, does Lisa show up for to get her ride to school or. I don't know. Like, that was our first interaction with her, right? Yeah. She, like, she's, like, at the door. I was like, yeah, oh, why she's she a did... neighbor? Like, it just didn't feel like a girlfriend. And maybe that plays into the whole... It, it really never did. Like, like, like until they were, they were making out, like, her friend yeah. seems to make allusions to, like, you know, oh, well, have you guys, you know... I know, like, right off the bat. down. She's like, yeah. I'd like to. And she maybe she doesn't really know what's going on either, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never felt like they like like at the end when she's saying "I love you." If you're trying to pass that off as a as a like heterosexual relationship, it just feels like I don't think there's enough there for that at all. Yeah, but it also continues sort of the trope of well, I guess the, the, it was really only a trope in our once bitten uh, fright night episode of yeah. of very understanding girlfriends. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, <laughs> she 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 walks past two dogs that have human faces. Mm-hmm. To go face who knows what for this guy. So Should I, I, I bother I asking she, you why those dogs have human faces? Like, what the hell was that about? I don't know if there's a deeper reason. All I know <laughs> is that's one of the best be. sort of cheesy but scary weird things. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, yeah. You don't see it coming at all. It's It's not like perfect CGI. So it just feels like two dogs wearing masks, but that's kind of weird too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very strange looking. And like, if you Google, do a Google image search for this movie, you'll see that. Like, it definitely pops yeah. up. Like, I'm sure that was one of those things that was in Fangoria, maybe or something. Sure. I noticed uh, just to continue on the Jesse front. He when and I think it's around like the cleaning montage <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. dance sequence. Uh, did you notice a sign on his door to his room? Yes. No, no out of town chicks. No out-of-town chicks, but I swear to God, the eye had been added. Like yes. it was a piece of... Like, so what did... Oh, so like, no out-of-town checks. Checks, okay. It's like a... I was like like, a, what is yeah. Got it, got it. No, I know. Okay. You, honestly, it's so it's funny you say that, because like, I spent a lot of time okay, good. on pause trying to figure yeah. out what... <laughs> okay, good, because I was like, what is this? A chucks? I don't even know like another <laughs> word. That's my ignorance there, but thank you. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. That's why I'm here, buddy. Okay, the biggest, I think, break in realism for me in this movie also involves Jesse and is the moment when he's in anatomy or just biology class or whatever. Someone manages to get both get out and put on Jesse a snake mm-hmm. without the teacher seeing. That's right. Uh, Craig, how in the hell would, how would that be humanly possible? Well, Sean, first of all, I'm going to assume you haven't been in a lot of... Uh, biology classes where they have pythons yeah Yeah, no no not at Um, all yeah well right there uh that's why you don't understand it they're (laughs) very stealthy animals and if you pick them up it's like they disappear okay so um yeah no teacher turns his back and that's all you need is like a split second you can do all that you can get snake out you can wrap it around jesse's shoulders okay yeah yeah i mean if you're a senior you could do it probably a junior could man seniors rule dude (laughs) seniors rule bro (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Well, speaking of, yeah. let's talk about that party then, because, I mean, that is like a big moment of this movie. And I do think yeah. maybe 
Uh, this would be of note for 80s movies, and we'll have to keep our eyes peeled as we continue down the road of 85 for a teenage mm-hmm. party where the parents are at home. Yeah, that that is an interesting little bit of business, although I mean, I, I can like kind of see that. Yeah. I thought it was a nice change because I was like, wait a second. You're telling like you're me gonna, your parents You guys can have your party. We're not going to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> Like we're gonna go up to thing. I mean, the thing, and I'm glad they they actually acknowledged it. Yeah, like, that was the weirdest thing. Yeah, right. There's a bit where they're watching the windows, what waiting for the light to go out. Light goes out, they crank up the music. I'm like, it guys, was worth they're it. right there. Yeah, <laughs> it was worth it for that moment them. though to me because prior to that, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like they're literally they're doing this with the parents at home. Like what? Are, yeah. What am I watching? And yeah. the dad's cooking hot dogs and handing them out to kids. But yeah, it was worth it for the moment when. Uh, the parents go upstairs, uh, I think, to get it on. I oh, mean, yeah. it's sort of what they were implying they were going to go do, idea. which is uh, well, I mean, kind of fun. It, it, in a way, what better time to do that? <laughs> like, your kids are not going to come to your room right now. Yeah. Like, that's simply not going to happen. That's true. This is yeah. the most privacy you're going to have for a while. Well, and then you get nice parallel action because Lisa's trying to get it on with uh, with Jesse mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's like... It really could you know, intercut those two scenes. Falls yeah. God uh that would have been terrible <laughs> now well here's my question about the party okay why are all of lisa's friends in their late 20s to 30s well craig isn't everyone in this movie i guess so with the exception of clue Gulliger and hope lang who look like they're almost <laughs> in their 70s in this well not really but they look very old to be parents of they yeah a that's teenager true. and a very young daughter who i loved the daughter was played by let's see here Christy Clark. Christy Clark, mm-hmm. who had one of my favorite lines in the movie, which was after Jesse is upstairs screaming himself awake after another nightmare, and they're all mm-hmm. downstairs eating breakfast, she says, Mommy, why can't Jesse wake up like everyone else? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that. what kind of question is that? Like, I don't even think my four-year-old would ask that question, like, but that was <laughs> amazing. I loved it. Zero Good job. concern. Good job, Christy Clark. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're at the party scene. So the party the party goes into full swing. They pull out a wagon filled with beer that they've been hiding. Yeah, Coors. Which already seems like a bad idea, but at the same time, I can totally nah, see that you happening. you gotta have it. I mean, you got to have it. This is yeah. 1985. Come on. But then Jesse shows up. And so here's, here's kind of the understanding girlfriend. Jesse shows up <laughs> covered in blood. Yeah. Just covered in blood sweating profusely and completely freaked out well and tells lisa that he has that he killed grady and that's the big distinction because they've already talked about freddy krueger lisa and jesse and he's not saying freddy krueger killed grady he's saying i killed grady right uh i also kind of wondered too because i can't remember i feel like maybe there was mention of the police in the scene with Grady or a siren or something. Oh, or maybe I just thought about it at the very yeah. end. I kind of feel like if I'm Jesse at that point, I would turn myself in. The, like, yes, I welcome the police because. Yeah. Make, I, make some sense of all this. This is, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm going to die. I don't want anybody else to die. Sure. Cause he thinks he's killed the coach at this point yeah. and his good friend. That's Robert right. Robert Rustler. So going to your quote-unquote girlfriend, 
Maybe not the best idea. <laughs> Pretty much dooms her all the way yeah. around. Yeah. But man, she's a good sport about it. You're right. She absolutely, she's up for the task of yeah. calming him down to the point that they can go try to get it on. Right? Wait or, a second. No, he oh, left. No, no. Yes. That, that was before. That's how that long this party scene is, is that he leaves. This comes, party scene goes on for yeah, a bit. He leaves, kills a guy, comes, comes back. back. Yes. Well, party's well still wait a second. He leaves. Right? He goes to his friend's place. He falls asleep. His friend stays up, watches TV for a while, turns Mm -hmm. it off, goes to sleep. Then the guy kills him, and then he goes back to the party. So the party is, it's happening. And hey, why wasn't Grady invited to this party? I wondered that. Oh, he got grounded because he threw his grandmother down a flight of stairs. Yep. Remember he said that? Airtight. Airtight (laughs) screenwriting, buddy. And not only that, like he said that while he had food in his mouth, which was great. I love that whole scene. I yeah. really love that guy. So that guy, why? his choices uh, are need, pretty strong. Yeah. I'm bringing his career back somehow, somehow. Oh, yeah. Seriously. We're coming for you, Robert Rustler. <laughs> we like the cut of your jib. Yes. But yeah, I mean, that party is, is something else, really. Uh, you know, I like that as much as it didn't make sense to me necessarily, I do like that you're introducing Freddie to a larger audience basically yeah. of people in the movie and then you get the dad coming out with the shotgun That's trying to shoot him which i was like yeah wait is freddie standing in front of all the other kids he wasn't yeah. i don't think but there was a moment where i wasn't sure about where freddie was positioned relative to the people that it appeared the dad was pointing the gun in their general direction which yeah i thought would have been hilarious there's some great just random deaths of or just random people getting stabbed by the freddie hand Oh man, um, kids, poor kids. I love that there was that one kid who was like, "Man, just just calm down, man. Just take a breath. Yeah. We're we're gonna help, man. We're gonna help we're you. We're gonna help." Gonna... <laughs> Which is, uh... yeah. Well, it's it's kind of neat because I, I kind of yeah, like kinda Freddy. Yeah. Freddy as like just just a savage animal. Yeah. Like you, you kind of see him just looking at these people. Like he he could just as well be like a lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of it's kind of awesome. But yeah, kids are getting boiled in the pool. Uh, one kid's getting stepped on and and killed. It's it's quite a, it's quite a bit of uh, of of mayhem. Well, let's talk about how this thing ends because I'm even blinking yeah. a little bit right now, and it's only been like three days since I've watched. There's separation from the party. Yeah. Freddie runs off, which means Jesse's run off. Right. And so even though the parents are aware that some maniac just tried to kill everybody at their party sure. at the party, they somehow manage to not notice their daughter run away or even if they notice they still let her go mom totally notices dad doesn't dad is is just like Mm -hmm. his mind is clearly blown but you gotta stop your daughter you gotta stop your daughter from yeah no i I wouldn't let anybody leave because the cops are gonna be here yeah you're gonna have to give a witness statements yeah we we, we got a bunch of dead kids in the backyard Mm -hmm. this is this is not the time to let your daughter drive off into the night but drive she does. She was personally attacked. Like I mean, yeah. the inside of the house is 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 it's true. It's shambles. A yeah, it's bad. Bad news. Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't let her run off. But I can kind of understand being shell shocked. Who are we to say what we would do in that situation? Indeed. Let's hope we never have to know. Yeah, I do think I would not go looking for him. That's yeah. I think exactly what Lisa does. Sure. And they end up in the power plant. We've talked about the kiss between her and Freddie. Mm-hmm. Freddie mm-hmm. slash Jason, Jesse. Yeah. We talked about her trying to love Freddie to death. Got to love him to death, Sean. How does Freddie get dispensed in this movie? I cannot remember right now. 
Okay, so, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but then it kind of does. So she tells him she loves him so much that all the metal in the place catches on fire. And then he melts, and he, he totally catches on fire and falls over. Mm-hmm. And then the fire all goes away. And then out of the burnt husk of Freddy comes Jesse, a, a, a new man? Newborn child, yeah. Maybe? Maybe. I, I think it's wise that they did not have an actual epilogue scene. Like, the epilogue is another nightmare. Yeah. And and it doesn't really make a lot of sense story-wise, because all you can feel is like, so we didn't accomplish anything. And so, and in, in the nightmare, is it Jesse that uses the glove to kill? No. So okay. it's their friend... And this is one of those endings that has stuck with me for so long. It probably scared me the first time. Now he's on the bus with Lisa and the friend who's, who's kind of been on the sidelines the whole time. Yeah. Jesse starts freaking out because he thinks the bus is going too fast. And then it pulls over and picks somebody up. And everybody's like, just calm down. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And then Carrie, I think her name is. Yeah. Carrie says in a way that is just like, I feel like the director's just like, look, you're setting up the last scare of the movie. So you have got to say this clearly. And we only have one take. And Carrie says, don't worry, Jesse. It's all over. <laughs> and then yeah. Freddie's hand like comes out of her chest. Okay. And then and then you just see like the they bus scream, off the right? desert again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is which is fine for a scare. And again, it's a movie about dreams, so you who knows what's gonna happen. But you do kind of feel like, and it's kind of like the first movie in a way, which I think Wes Craven didn't want to do that shock ending mm-hmm. it just kind of feels like so is this just gonna go on and on <laughs> yeah like n- none of yeah. this mattered none of this loving freddie to death none of that made any difference so why yeah why, why was he attempting something new and why was this movie called freddie's revenge freddie is revenge that's all he's ever wanted to do is get revenge anyway that's a good point yeah uh and like but, he doesn't get specific like there's no specific he's not out for one person this. yeah like yeah. jesse has nothing to do with anything that happened to him he was just a poor sap yeah. that moved into the fucking house <laughs> right yeah it's his dad's fault honestly right yeah because his dad knew everything yeah god clue Gallagher is so great yeah um but yeah he, like it, it never kind of comes up that he pledged to kill people but i guess i guess no one really knows that except for the people who i mean nancy kind of knew that he was out to get the kids yeah but but he was out to get the kids of the parents who killed him so, I mean, this is already, I think, supposed to be a few years later. Wasn't it like, like five it, yeah. years later or something? Yeah, something like that. So it kind of feels like, I don't know, after all that happened, did, 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 didn't all the parents like move their kids away? <laughs> did you get the heck away from Elm yeah, Street? That house should probably be condemned. Uh, Maybe. Certainly point. after the second movie, yeah. definitely. No one should be in there again. Well, I don't want to conclude... Our discussion of this movie without mentioning the fact that there is a bird that explodes in this movie yeah and it's a great moment and you will love it if you haven't seen it yes because <laughs> there are feathers fan raining down of exploding birds from the ceiling it's very surprising and and i i would also say we, we kind of touched on it but i would say there's a really pretty darn good uh transformation scene in this movie yeah um Oh, you know, I, movies I, of I, the era. This was this was always like your set piece. You're gonna have like a nice, you know, gnarly. real makeup uh, transformation scene. This was pretty strong. I thought the effects and, pre- and the makeup in general were quite good. I especially yeah. like 
that uh, this movie revealed to me. I did not remember that at any point Freddy actually had the knives in his fingers themselves as opposed to just being part of the glove. Well, but that is the Jesse Freddy. That's the important distinction. Wait, was it only Jesse Freddy? Only Jesse Freddy. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah, because they, they, cause they came I mean, out that, of his fingers. So yeah, that's I remember how you that. Knew it was like the, the reborn I thought I. Okay, Freddy. I thought I saw it before that, but maybe not. And like, yeah, like, okay. yeah, that transformation. Ugh, so gross. Like the sweater popping through his arms and skin. Ugh. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's some yeah. gross stuff in that. Even I will say, my one memory of this movie was a line about "You got the bo- I body, I've got the brains." Yeah. That that moment still freaking works. Like that, oh, yeah. I think I thought that was pretty freaky and like that's a pretty visceral moment like him going and pulling his head back and revealing that like it's just gross like it's yeah. i think you're right and, and right? i think uh yeah that that moment along with a lot of others like this is i feel like this is the last movie where they really tried to hide freddie's face yeah they, they, they tried not to just show his whole face all the time spotlight on it so much better and like again. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 so like just seeing the sides of his like scarred face and stuff. Is, yeah, and if you think about it too, it's like just here. even in the context of dreams, like it's rarely that you see something vividly, yeah. you know. So like having him in shadow and not getting a great look of him is way more terrifying, I think. Oh um, yeah, personally, totally agree. Also, I just looked up Christy Clark here, who played Jesse's younger sister. Mm-hmm. If we have any soap opera fans out there, I'm sure we do. She played Carrie Brady, I think still does, on Days of Our Lives. She's done a 462 episodes. <laughs> yeah. So good for her. That's amazing. Hey, here's a question. Yeah. When the coach dies, the night the coach dies. The night the coach And first of all, dies. is it is it too is it too on the nose that the first part of the dream where the coach is being attacked, it's nothing but balls flying at him? Because it was too on the nose because he doesn't even freaking move. Like, you know, it's like he does right. not try and it to goes get on away for from a them. long too time. Too long. Too long. Too obvious. Yeah. I mean, it did make me kind of laugh a little bit. There was balls, you know. Right. But but I guess and I guess that's the thing is I couldn't I didn't We're feel like it was a joke. Yeah. But at the same time it's like there's lots of stuff in this room. Oh yeah. The only stuff that's flying at him are the balls. And those are not things that are gonna kill him, by the way. Right? No. Ten- tennis no. ball is not going to Because he takes a few of those to yeah. the head. Yeah. 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 Which is funny. Yeah. Um, but but the night that that happens, mm-hmm. the police deliver Jesse to his home yeah. after they found him wandering naked in the streets. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, how is that not tied in somewhat to the investigation of how the coach died that night? Seems like some pretty odd circumstances. Yeah. And the police know all about would. it. Yeah. I mean, this Something is a town that is no stranger to mass murder. Right. Done by maniacs. So maybe like, yeah, I mean, he's naked, but he's no Freddy Krueger. So, right. We yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the bar's pretty high for murderers around here. So, <laughs> yeah. This kid seems a little too nice. Yeah, maybe they're just like, oh, he's gay, clearly. I mean, just take him home, you know. Oh, yeah. It was like, but that's actually, you know, that story about Jeffrey Dahmer is like that one guy got away, and uh, I think maybe even he was naked. But uh, that's true. The cops took him back to Dahmer because they thought it was just like some lover's God, that's, spat. That's so hideous. It's bad. It's bad. It's this movie is terrible. Was way ahead of its time in good and bad ways. In good and bad ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. I gotta say, I, I got a lot out of this one this time. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think we can wrap it up after we talk Friday the 13th. I don't think it's a great movie by any stretch. I mean, I think there's a lot, no. like I say, it's ridiculous. I wanted it to be scarier. Don't mm-hmm. like the ending. But I did like the Jesse character. I think that's uh, well played, well performed, and sure. goes in different directions than I expected, both with all the homoeroticism and none of the homoeroticism. Fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I'll agree with that. Craig. Yeah. Should we go to the vicinity of Camp Crystal Lake? <laughs> Let's... Let's go at least to the same group of counties where that happened. If the memory of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. I'm going to give the synopsis to this because obviously there's a lot of these movies and maybe you've lost track even if you've seen them all. Sure. But this one is still haunted by his past. Tommy Jarvis, who as a child killed Jason Voorhees, wonders if the serial killer is connected to a series of brutal murders occurring in and around the secluded halfway house where he now lives. And uh, I think that's a fair synopsis. I say it's fair, too. I'll start on this one just because I, I mentioned it beforehand that I think the fact that this movie did not do as well as Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is maybe an unfortunate result of the expectations of this movie based upon previous films. Because, Craig, I I surprisingly enjoyed the hell out of this movie minus Mm -hmm. the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And the last 10 minutes left me feeling like, this was maybe the best episode of Scooby-Doo I've ever seen. (laughs) But it's still an episode of Scooby-Doo because of that ending. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And we'll get to that. But I was surprised, A, by, <laughs> I thought it was well-directed. That mm-hmm. blew my mind. I mean, there's some solid shots. There's some solid scene work. That mm-hmm. score, absolutely. You talked about score it before. So I-, I can't yeah. remember the guy's name. Manfredini. And it's not just the, all that stuff. Oh, no, yeah. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Even in the opening credits, I'm like, I just kind of want to get away from this music. Like, it's Very making spooky. me feel that way. Yeah. I liked the lead performance by, uh, why is he not the first build person on this I know. credits here? Uh, uh, John yeah, Shepard. Okay, thank you. Yes. Yeah, John Shepard is Tommy Jarvis. Mr. Shepard. Um, I like the opening. There are, this movie is interesting to me because there are vignettes of people getting killed that mm. kind of seem like they have nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Sure. They're not characters who are in the rest of the movie. Nope. And I loved every single one of those scenes yeah. so much. And this movie, I was introduced to a term by another podcast called Slums of Film History, which is great if you haven't listened to it, uh, this idea of exploitation, right? Um, the <laughs> yeah. idea that you know hicks are something to be feared and just awful people. And boy, right. there's two great ones in this movie with Ethel and her son, Junior, that live next door to this halfway yeah. house. And again, 99% of when they're on screen, I'm loving it. Like, <laughs> it just made me laugh. I mean, that's the thing. is like, as a horror movie, I don't even know, like, what to say about this thing. Because, again, I don't think any of it's really scary. 
There's yeah. stuff that's gross. There's some great kills in it, which I think is what you're you're wanting at this point, probably with the, yeah. a Jason Voorhees movie. But man, there's some stuff that's kind of unintentionally funny and just fun. Mm-hmm. To me, this movie was fun. And uh, yeah, I, I walked away thinking it's the better of the two. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me why I'm wrong. And I, I know it's maybe harder for you to disassociate yourself from your knowledge of the other movies. And I will happily look into and expect the ones before this movie to be a lot yeah. better. And it makes me, it actually made me excited to really go watch them again. Yeah. Well, I, I, I Is think that they, they, they crazy? are better. Well, he, well, you're not crazy. Okay. I'll tell you right now, Sean, rest, rest assured. You're not crazy. Whew. I don't want to have to go to a halfway home. Cause this is, no. if this is what happens. You know what happens there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think if, if anything kind of throws me from this one, cause this, this one is, is just, this is a really fun movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Through and through, like it is, it all it wants to do is just entertain you. And I think what kind of threw me back in the day, more than anything, was that I personally liked the the vibe from these movies where everything is taken a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. So then when you really start throwing in, because like Ethel and her son are pure comedy. Uh, yeah, like they are so Without over the top, crazy doubt. comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least like, it's funny, me, right? <laughs> exactly. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Like if that had not been funny, oh, this movie would have been such a chore to get through. It. I think for yeah. me, anyway. Yeah. But it's and, and it's so weird. But but yeah, it no is. matter what, so it, it gives it it gives it some real personality. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really the problem. I think, as I remember with the with the third one in the series, still taking it very seriously. But like, I can't remember a single thing that happens in that whole movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I feel like by that time it was just like, we need some generic teenagers and then Jason's going to come in there and blah, blah, blah. Uh, whereas like, I can remember a lot of specific stuff from the first one definitely has a personality. Second one is really good. Fourth one definitely has a personality to it. Mm-hmm. And the third one kind of just really falls off the map. But, um, but yes, but, but just kind of that, the comedy of it, through me and i didn't like it i remember when i when i first saw it yeah but at the same time it also kind of added to the feeling of just uneasiness mm-hmm. and probably mainly because at the time i just kind of felt like like we shouldn't be joking about this stuff <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah this isn't funny this is this is these are this is scary and horrible like yeah. you know, why is why are people treating it like it's funny so it actually kind of ends up being uh you know one of the more d- kind of disturbing ones in a way, but you're absolutely right. Like it's not, it's not super scary, except maybe in a cumulative way where, I don't know, maybe when you turn it off and you realize you've just watched an hour and a half of just people being murdered, that you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of creepy. I don't even think it gets that uh, good graces because of the ending. Because to me, the way they explain that, and we'll get to it in a second, but that... Yeah. That negates the reason for any of these murders, I think. I will argue, but we'll again, we'll save that sure. for another day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my kind of, like, overall thing about this was was wondering if if there was a way for them to actually have a new beginning. And maybe the problem is that they just they did this so close to the other ones that yeah. it didn't maybe give the audiences a chance to just look at it on its own. Because I do think they would have had a good time, right? Um, right. Because, well, it, it does yeah. kind of feel like the 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 reimagining reboot. It is in a way like yeah. like the like we're going to kind of make fun of it a little bit, mm-hmm. and we're going to you know, 
that that would have been great 10 years later Mm -hmm. and not like a year after but i'm sorry go ahead well as i say and it's exactly because of again the end is it's just that jason he's not in this movie like he is not in this movie except for in flashbacks and, and dreams and memories um right but that actually, actually, like, might as well start there at the beginning then, because the movie does sort of open with a a memory of Tommy as his what was he twelve or whatever? Yes. Um, that is played by you, you've got Corey Feldman making a cameo here again, and I love that scene, man. Like it's you know he's yeah. at Jason's for his grave, so it's like okay, Jason, I guess is dead. It's like is he gonna rise up from the grave? Like how's that gonna work? Like what are we talking about here? And a, the grave is like super fresh, right? <laughs> like it's. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess maybe is that like literally happening moments after the last one ended? I mean, or not long after that? Uh, well, that's the thing. Be, I mean, right? I mean, yeah. T- Tommy is not much older. Yeah. In in this in this little bit, so yeah, you would you would have to imagine it's happening right after. Mm-hmm. But it's just I just liked it. Like it's pouring down rain. I thought Feldman really sold the whole thing, and like I was like, oh. I'm totally down yeah. with watching part four then to see him, if nothing else, in that yeah. movie. I kind of remember it now, like seeing him with those glasses. Um, but like, you know, it's a good performance from him in this thing. It and, is. and it like it sets the mood for actually a much more serious movie, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Although you do get these two grave robbers who come up to dig him up and they're just like, it's like it's a party. They're like, Woo-hoo, let's see the face of this guy. I was like. Okay, yeah. these guys might be more sick than Jason Voorhees here. I don't know <laughs> who would possibly be excited to do this. I mean, if you want to do it, that's fine because you're curious. Right. I don't think you'd be screaming and laughing about it. I don't know. No. Um, and so, you know, you kind of end with, obviously, Jason rises from the grave and kills those two guys and you know, it closes in on Feldman and you cut to the credits. Uh, I forgot to mention that I do think Nightmare on Elm Street, the actual Freddy's Revenge part of the credits where that title appears, I think that's also in the running for the worst font of 1985, uh, for me anyway. That is an amazing, like the collision right? of <laughs> letters in that thing. It's just like, yeah, yeah. like they, they threw that in just at the last second. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Um, but here, it's like, no, like you're cutting to black. You're just getting titles and that damn score, man. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm on, I'm well, on board with and- this thing, right? That that was kind of their their motif for all of these movies. Yeah, it's great. Uh, as it's I remember, that, that's how yeah. all the credits are at the beginning. Yeah, and it, and it's it is pretty creepy. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the the music is super creepy, and you just you're just left with whatever that last image was, which was, and 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 actually, let's get into this. So just before the titles, there, we realize this has all been a dream. Okay, I couldn't remember if we, yeah, we flashed out of that. Because okay. you have Tommy like wake up in the van. Whew, that's right, and and he looks like he's about twenty years old. Yeah. And I can't remember if they ever say how old he actually is. Mm-hmm. But that sounds about I right. Remember I mean, I don't think he's much older than that, like 23, right. 24. Well, but that's the thing. So that, um, so, so I guess the thing is, all of these movies have taken place in present day. Mm-hmm. And it's already right there. You're... This feels like we've jumped ahead a decade. Yeah. From, from like when everything happened before. Uh, at, at least, yeah. Right. But then, like, later we'll have a couple of greasers, which I guess we'll be talking about. We got to talk about that, yeah. soon. <laughs> there, there, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that's yeah. just like, did we go 10 years in the future? Yeah, I don't or know. where are we here? <laughs> you know, what I didn't even of, think about uh, that. Yeah. 
I, I've watched it how many times? I never think about it. Yeah. If part four took place in, say, 1984, 83, whenever it was. Yeah. We're like in the 90s now. Yeah, no, it does not look anything. They did not futurize <laughs> this at all. Did not, never cross my mind, Craig, but that's a great observation. Yeah. Um, no. But I do think, like, once you come back from those credits, you're sort of immediately introduced to the fact that the tone in this movie is going to be a little different mm-hmm. than that opening. Because, A, like, yeah, you go to the Youth Development Center. You know, he's in a van. I like that. That guy, Shepard or whatever his name is, if you know who Steve Railsback is, the actor, like, he was in yeah. the stunt. He kind of looks like that guy a little bit. Like, to me, he's got, he's definitely got, got a similar vibe. Yeah. And uh, so he's in there, and he's brooding, obviously. And, like, clearly this guy just had a very traumatic experience as a kid, and I like how they played that. Um, you're not going to get a ton of emotion out of that guy. Uh, the whole movie, I like that they stuck to the guns with that. But you show up at a at a halfway house. There's a there's a hefty guy with curly hair, and I'm immediately like, that guy, he's dead. Like that guy is going yeah. to die soon. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how soon and by how and which way, which I loved. But anyway, pretty good surprise. The yeah. guys that are driving the van drop Tommy off, and then one of them who I'll have to find this guy's name too because I kind of loved him, uh, Bob DeSimone. Yeah. Oh, man. Balding guy, mustache. Like, immediately is like, see you later, Pam, to the one of the counselors and just, like, wagging yeah. his tongue like a total horn dog. <laughs> right. And I was just like, wait a second. What just, like, what just happened He's a real dirtbag, that mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I liked all that stuff. And then, you know, Tommy is introduced to the, the main guy, Matt, that runs the, the camp. And, like, you find out that, like, yeah, he's – He's a product of the state. Like, he's been institutionalized, basically, and drugged. Um, And I thought it was interesting that they introduced that and even commented on it at all. Um, And then, you know, Tommy's up into his room, and he opens his closet, and there's a freaking spider hanging down, and it's, uh, what's his face, Uh, from Different Strokes. Dudley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just hanging out and scaring him in his closet. (laughs) And that's Reggie Reggie the Reckless. Uh, Yeah. I can't remember his last name, but... Yeah, that guy. And so it was just like, well, th- well, yeah, this is quite a different different environment here than <laughs> than Camp Crystal Lake or even uh, certainly the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, to me, it was like, okay, we're throwing all these interesting characters in. And in each instance, I felt like all of them at least had a trait that I could hang on to. Right. Like, right. you know, maybe there's a few characters that I could probably mix up in my head. I couldn't tell you their names now. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like they're pretty identifiable. And there's a lot of people in this cast, you know, and like you're meeting them yeah. all like that. Yeah. The van driver guy is like, well, I didn't expect that I would see him again, let alone he has this awesome death scene. Right. And right. then the sheriff rolls up and, you know, there's two kids that were screwing in the farm next door. And then. Sure as shit, right after that, you got Ethel and her son, Junior, um, the Hicks next door. And she's crazy. Like, she's just so over the top. She yeah. threatens to kill them twice to a mm-hmm. sheriff like that. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of like, uh, yeah, that Ethel. That made me – and, like, she turns and tells Junior, to sh- would you shut the fuck up? I laughed so hard, Craig. Like, I was dying. Like, I was just like, I can't believe this movie is making me laugh. I did not expect that. And then she was like, I'll kill every one of these loonies. And then she said she had a bomb strapped to her if the sheriff made a move. And it was just like, 
you can't do that without going. You're going to go to jail if you yeah. do. <laughs> Those also seem pretty questionable. Yeah, but they're always like, yeah, that's a crazy, crazy Ethel, right? You know, and I was just like, man. I mean, uh, let's I'm face it. This. People start dying, and I don't remember that sheriff ever even considering for a second that it might be her. Right. After she came out and just started threatening nope. everyone's yeah. lives. She would be my my pick, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the murders do start pretty quickly, and it, of course, I called it. It was the big dude. It was Joey, right, who is um, played by, he was way up there, Dominic Brescia, or Brascia. I don't know how you say his name. But Craig, man. Oh, yeah. I feel really terrible because I, I think perhaps his character is supposed to be autistic. I mean, he's got vibes of being on the spectrum, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. He's He certainly comes off uh, immature in some way. Yeah, for a guy his age. But, like, he yeah. comes out, right, and he's got chocolate all over his face. The dude, yeah, I mean, yeah. he, like, I wrote down he looked like a damn garbage belt kid to me. Like, I was just yeah. like, I was like, oh, this poor bastard. Like, you know, he's got chocolate over his face, and he's just annoying everybody. And, of course, there's a guy chopping wood who's, like, one of the, you know, patients of this halfway house. And... Man, I did not expect that. I mean, it's so stupid. Here's a guy with an axe. Here's here's big guy annoying him to death. Of course, that guy's going to turn the axe and just bury it into Joey's back, right? Yeah. I I did not see that coming. And I again, I kind of laughed, but it still was like enough of a surprise that I was just amazed. I was amazed. Yeah. It's pretty shocking. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 certainly out of character for any of these movies. Right. Okay. That, I wondered like, about you, that. Yeah. You definitely feel safe in the idea that, well, if Jason's not here, that everyone's okay right now. And usually right. like the first, you know, that first half an hour of the movie is like pretty kill free. We're just going to have some jokey times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, meet our, you know, meet the, the, the dead meat. I would say this is that's in like the first fifteen minutes, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, it's real quick. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. It's like he's oh, dead, yeah. and then of course, like the paramedics show up, right? And like that's just another added little bonus later because one of those guys is like the worst person on the planet. He's like <laughs> laughing. A, the body is just there, covered up with a sheet. Every single person in that halfway house is outside, just staring at it. Yeah. And they lift the sheet to look at it. The paramedic does to check it out. And then when they like flinch, these you know, these kids that that knew and liked Joey, he's like, bunch of pussies. You know, yeah. and laughing. <laughs> and I will say Craig. Yeah. The other paramedic, who is his own sort of like brand of stiff, a little bit weirded out by the whole scene as well, I wrote down. WTF is up with this other paramedic. <laughs> they they really dwell on him. They do. And I, I don't remember that, that dwelling happening so blatantly. Okay. I wondered about that because, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen a lot of movies. Sure. Maybe we're just, you know, hip to foreshadowing a little more than others. But I don't know. <laughs> I did. It, I didn't quite piece it together that this spoiler was going to be the guy pretending to be Jason right. and killing people. Um, yeah, because it, and why would you, right? Like, what sense does that exactly? Make? <laughs> Especially at the time, yeah. Like, there's no way it's going to be him, yeah. Because we we came to see Jason, yes. so so okay, he's upset, but that'll just that'll pay off some other way, right? 
and we'll we'll get into all the fun of this in a little bit too and all the specific tests but that's it i mean that guy this random little second paramedic number two Mm -hmm. is the guy killing everyone in this movie save for the joey character who got axed by another inmate at the house there right Right. And the movie is frustrating in the sense that that is the guy who's killing it. But it's also it was frustrating to me that when the deaths really start clicking in, when, when Jason shows up to the halfway house itself that night, there are so many instances, Craig, where you don't they don't show Jason at all. They, you see his hand go up and he's got the machete and yeah. the machete comes down. You see his hands, and he's pulling the leather strap around the guy's face and, like, you know, gouging his eyes out. There was a moment where I think it was definitely, uh, it was, I think, the Jake character guy, uh, the stutterer, yeah, played by Jerry Pavlon. I think he steps out into the hallway of this halfway house, and you see the hand go up with the machete. And it's just like, dude, you're in the hallway. There's literally no way for him not to see who's killing him, right? Right. He yeah. wouldn't just look at the hand and not see the rest of the body. Like you're a giant, yeah, yeah. nine-foot guy. Yeah. So to me, yeah. I was like, why are they doing this? Why are they withholding us seeing Jason? Because one of my favorite moments in that opening is that first like real long shot of Jason just standing there after he's got out of the grave and killed these other guys. And like that, yeah, it's an iconic image. Just anytime you're seeing sort of like Jason full-bodied, Mask, machete, night, yeah. rain. Yes, like that works. So here he is killing people one after one, and they're withholding that from me. And I just, I found that so frustrating, and I didn't know why. Right. So that then finding out the reason why was because he's not Jason? Oh, that just to me, it was like, oh, I can't believe this movie did that. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that up because that never bothered me. Yeah. And I always just assumed he was always wearing the mask. He is. I mean, I would assume so, right? I think the movie guess, leads us but, to believe that because he's got the mask on at the end. Yeah, and and all the makeup for some reason mm-hmm. around his head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think about that, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind of touches on our perfect host movie a little bit. Sure, it does a little bit. Yeah. Just like, oh, you're you're also a. A part-time uh, effects artist. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I would I would assume he does too. But then it is kind of like, why wouldn't you show his face? It's not like anyone could tell the difference. Not only that, between yeah. any of these Jasons. Yeah, if you want me to really believe that this is Jason, show me it's Jason killing these people. Yeah, yeah, because they but also honestly it never bothered me. I, I can't interesting I don't know why. because yeah. I thought for a second that they had done a misdirect and maybe. Because there's that weird, just like stranger guy who shows yeah. up uh, literally on the doorstep of Ethel, the crazy lady, and is like, I could use some food. Is there any work I can do? I'm like, right. wait a second. Why the hell is this oh, guy yeah, in this movie? Yeah. Is he going to be killing people or something? Or am I supposed to like think of him as he red He's hair? He's there just to, yeah, exactly. Just to add another yeah. bit to the stew. And that's. But no, you know what it is. Mistake, and I'm not even I think. thinking, I wasn't even thinking about this. The reason they're not showing him so much is because you're supposed to at least halfway think it's Tommy. That never crossed my freaking mind, man. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I totally get that. I, I yeah. don't really ever think about it either. Like I didn't think about it just now. But I think that the, the idea is you're supposed to think that it's that Tommy gone doing, crazy. That's interesting. That never crossed my mind. I wonder, like now I'd have to go back and watch it and see, like, are, yeah, are there scenes where people are dying that, you know, I, you would not be able to account for Tommy's whereabouts. <laughs> yeah. And there are certainly some. And, and they kind of, well, they don't really, they, they almost set up a, a thing where, where Tommy doesn't like one of the kids. But I don't feel like they really try and push you in that direction enough. No. Yeah. And it would actually make more sense with the whole makeup around his head because Tommy, yeah, and you, 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 would see, you would see this in part four, like he makes masks like that. Yeah. Like Tommy Jarvis, like that's his thing. I do remember so, that. Yes. Yeah. Feldman. I love that too, by the way. Like I, I'm, that's I the thing it. that should come, you know, like summer school, like kids in the eighties yeah. being into like horror makeup. Makeup and was a like that. big deal. Yeah, it really yeah. was. That needs to come back. So just continuing with that storyline, once the damage is done and our Jason in quotes is killed and you find out it's the paramedic, the sheriff then explains that that paramedic was actually the father of Joey, the garbage pail kid who was killed mm-hmm. uh, by the very <laughs> uh, easily annoyed uh, guy chopping wood, and that somehow sent him uh, into getting, like he just decided he should kill people because his son right. was killed. Which that kind of makes sense, okay? And that he right. would kill people at this halfway house kind of makes sense. Except for because the one person who actually killed Joey is not there. And he does not die, to the best of my knowledge, right? It's true. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to get revenge for your son's death, how about you go after the guy that you know killed him and that is it. in custody, right? Yeah. So that was, to me, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. But also, this is this is the son that you have never acknowledged. Yeah, as being your son. No, that you put into the you know institutions and, and homes for the bulk yeah. of his life. Yeah. So there's a lot of questionable stuff there in terms of uh, someone actually snapping. <laughs> yeah. I still kind of feel like, and I I think I said this last time too. It's like that that is sort of a disappointment that it's not Jason, but at the same time. You've essentially gotten the exact same experience, right? Movie-wise, but with a little tweaking, so it's not the exact same thing. And yeah, then you get to the end. Okay, it's that guy. You're disappointed. It's not Jason, but I still feel like you got your money's worth. Oh, like, yeah. I, it, it, it's it's a dumb explanation, yeah. sure, but like, it's it's kind of weird to be like, oh, but it wasn't Jason. But but I mean, he did everything Jason does, like right. everything that you like. Well, and that's what I wondered if like fans were like pissed about that. I think that's a part of what it was. I, yeah. I think it was just, it, but it was could not be a real Friday the Thirteenth movie, right? If it wasn't about Jason, yeah. doing that stuff. And and yeah, yeah, I do think that's to me, even as a guy not that familiar with the first four, yeah, I I found that troublesome, but I definitely don't want to give the impression that that makes this movie not worth watching because it totally is. No, like it's totally. so totally is. Yeah. And I mean, let's, let's get yeah. into some of the, some of the vignettes here. Okay. So let's talk about the greasers then, because I do think that is sort of the first murder that is post Joey's death. Right. So these, yes. I think are the first and it's two ki- like, I guess, teenage boys. 
you would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously older than 16 because one of them's got a car and the other one is working on this car. I mean, you're just dropped into this scene where there's two kids on the side of the road in a car. They're dressed as greasers. Yeah, it might as well be the 50s. Leather jackets, yeah. And they're kind of talking like greasers. Kind of talking like a little sing-songy here and there. Yeah. Um, That's sort of like, you know, got the swing to it. Sure. It makes no sense. There's no... <laughs> no. Rivalry. It, it, it has no relation whatsoever. to anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just there to up the body count. So one guy gets a, a, a road flare in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Which then, that was uh, another... Now, Craig, here... Are flares, road flares, so bright that you cannot see the person holding them? I mean, wouldn't they uh, illuminate it depends, the face? It depends on your eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, If you have eyeballs on, from the 1950s, maybe. Yeah. But the best part of this whole sequence is, and it is only multiplied by the amazingness that it happens again in this movie, is that the guy that's in the car, whose car it is, just suddenly says, I got to go take a crap. And goes yeah. walks out in the woods to take a dump, and that's when yeah, his wow. friend is killed with the flare, and he comes back and is killed himself. And then yes, there will be another shitting death in this movie later on. I was gonna say it's somehow that's not even the only better. Crap related death. Yeah, yeah, it's somehow even better. And I, I'm telling you, like this, it just touches wow. my heart. This movie that <laughs> it did that. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> it was so amazing. It, it goes to some unexpected places. So, yeah. so again, so just just to reiterate, mm-hmm. so this EMT, right, is so disturbed by the fact that his disavowed son is dead that he kills two greasers that he's never seen before in his life. Do you, is there any chance that those two guys were s- supposed to be patients at the halfway house? I don't it, think it would, so. It doesn't make sense though, because why would they have a car? Right. Why would they have a car? I mean, yeah, they're just in the middle of nowhere. No one has said yeah. that we're waiting for blah, blah, blah to okay. show up. I mean, it's... I do feel like at the halfway house, they're always like talking about like, oh, Tina and Eddie are off. Someone, like Names are thrown about about people who aren't there all the time. So that was just for that's a second. True. I was like, well, maybe we should verify that this is not... Anyway. So yeah, I, that's the first kind of, yeah, death that you get. And yeah, it makes no sense. It is from a different movie uh, mm-hmm. entirely in a lot of ways. But yeah. again... It is fun. It is done well. Like it's paced well. I don't know. I like it. It is. Yeah. Even even the and, and I feel like this was like a, a ratings thing probably. Oh, okay. But but even as the second guy is, you know gets his throat cut, there's there's sort of this quick like push in that's that's not a not a camera zoom, you know, it's not any of that. There's this quick push in up so you can't see it actually happen. Yeah. That I actually kind of feel like that actually makes it a little more effective even to uh, me. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because I was expecting, okay, here comes the big throat blood spray thing. And they didn't do that yeah. exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I it, 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 was it is kind of, it's not a terribly bloody movie, honestly. No. Uh-uh. When you get right down to it. Nope. So so that happens. So that's that's practice round number one the next night. Mm, uh, even better is, is Billy 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 Dirtbag, who delivered Tommy to the <laughs> to the halfway yeah. house the day before, is picking up a waitress who is super excited to go out with him, and I don't believe that for a second. No, she looks like there's some Laura Dern in there, or yeah. I'm looking. Rebecca Wood is the actress. I don't know. There was somebody else that she reminded me of, but yeah, imagine a pseudo Laura Dern in a pink diner outfit. Who, for right. some reason, as a waitress, it appears, is the last one closing up the restaurant. Which I, f- I don't know. I feel like, yeah. you know. 
One of those restaurants in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, the cooks should be, I don't know, chef or somebody that owns this joint should be it's, closing it up. It's like usually, yeah. Yeah. But we don't we don't know what the arrangements yeah. are. Now, Craig, do you remember yeah. the first, so she makes Billy wait in the car so she can get ready. Now, do you remember the first thing that she does as she gets ready in the bathroom? Yes. Okay, and well, this is our us. first great uh, round of totally gratuitous nudity. Oh, my gosh. And also something that will follow us throughout the movie of of people just really talking to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and kind of talking a lot just to themselves. Complete conversations, yep. Yeah. She starts to unzip her uniform, mm-hmm. and she says, showtime, as she pulls it open yep. and reveals her breasts to herself. In the mirror. Just shakes them around a little bit. <laughs> In the <Yeah>. mirror. <laughs> that never, even as a... As a, as a yeah. 12-year-old watching this movie. You know, it's like, it's I, like, this might be a little yeah. much, yeah. Is that really? I'm not sure okay. they, they earned this moment. It also is like, if she's so excited to go out with this guy, boy, taking the time to say showtime and jiggle, you're, yeah. just, you're just delaying the fun that you could be having, you know? I mean, exactly. he's in the Why car. Why reveal yourself to yeah. yourself? He's in the yeah. car making a forecast for snow flurries and doing coke, Snow flurries man. up the nose. <laughs> I really like that. That actor is actually, I mean, like, he's a lot of fun. You know, he is like, well, yeah, you know what's so funny is, who was was I thinking that he was? Because he's, or maybe he is who I thought he He was. He feels like the guy that was in the Micro Machines commercials back in the day. Do you remember that guy (laughs) that could talk (laughs) really fast? It's not that same guy, but he reminds me of that. No, it's definitely not. (laughs) I wish it was. Oh, wow. It's definitely amazing. But he is, yeah, he's like this, he's a, he feels like a really good actor. Mm hmm. But he's playing a fantastic dirtbag. And he's just, yeah, he's just like, he's waiting for her to come out. So he breaks out the Coke and and yet again, talks to himself, says some super clever stuff, yeah. just talking to himself and, yeah. and uh, does some lines and then gets an ax in his head, mm-hmm. which a little bit of trivia there. Apparently, doing that particular effect was so gross that the stunt guy who was doing it said that he almost lost his lunch. Wow. Doing that. And like in the movie, it's almost nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even really remember it as, as being particularly gross. Yeah. Uh, but, but well, his point was, his point was like, you know, most of my job is making sure that nobody gets hurt. Yeah. And this was just like looking at the back of this person's head. It just seemed so, re- so real. I can see that. Yeah. That was making me woozy. Yeah. If you're the person doing that, it'd be great. Yeah. I loved that before the waitress comes out and meets her own demise, we have a cat scare. In the restaurant. Random cat scare. Random yeah, cat scare because all good restaurants have cats walking around in them. Sure. Uh, this cat in particular, it looks like it jumped down from the ceiling or like a ceiling fan. I mean, it comes it's a in an angle. Yeah, it's a good ceiling <laughs> cat that you want to have in your diner. Uh, loved Look, that. In horror movies, Sean, they just cats come from are either everywhere. ceiling cats. Yeah. Sometimes they're wardrobe cats <laughs> who just hang out in closets yeah. until you open it. Well, my cat does that. He likes to get in sure. the wardrobe and the Cupboard closet. Cupboard cats. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. My cat's never gone on the ceiling, thankfully. Well, not yet. I, I, yeah, it could happen tonight, but that'll be the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, so I think the next one, I will say by this point, though, I did question. I was like, so wait a second. Okay, this is Jason. He's back somehow. Sure. Uh, are we near Crystal Lake, uh, that area? Because I feel like if I'm Tommy, probably want to move somewhere else, right? Even if I'm going to like a halfway house, can I maybe request one that's not yeah. near, like walking like maybe... distance for Jason? <laughs> right. 
So that did like, maybe, make yeah, me maybe you would just bit. say to your to your psychiatrist, yeah. "Hey, I'll say I'll do whatever you want me to do, mm-hmm. but can we just can we go like west? Let's just go as far west as we can. Yeah, California, as far man. away from here as possible. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the kind of sex scene that we get then, because I think that was the next murder as well, uh, yeah. if not mistaken. It's daytime rendezvous, a little tryst sure. by, I think that is Eddie and Tina. Yeah. Uh, Eddie played by John Robert Dixon. Tina Craig played by Deborah Voorhees. That's right. Her name is Voorhees. How awesome is that? Apparently she got cast, or they did think it was very interesting in casting that that maybe helped take it over the notch yeah. that she had that name. Now, they've kind of been established as the lovers of the Halfway House. I think they were the ones mm-hmm. that were fooling around in Ethel's farm. They got brought back by the cops um, and created that whole bit. So they sneak off in the middle of the day. I think they take a sheet with them, set it down on the ground. She gets buck naked. Mm-hmm. And beautiful, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. They have their moment. And then Eddie... It's a really long moment, It too. is a pretty long moment. And I'm trying I mean, to by, remember... from my experience. Yeah. Uh, there is a voyeuristic element because that weird neighbor... Not neighbor. The weird dude that just showed up to do some work on the farm to get mm-hmm. food is watching. You find that out. Yep. And then Eddie, like all good boyfriends, says he has to go wash up in the river. And <laughs> mm-hmm. As you do. Puts his pants on, leaves his shirt off, right. and goes down the river. And poor Deborah Voorhees. Here's a question. Yeah. Pa- pause on that. Just, I'm sorry to pause no, on that moment. Yeah, please. I want to spend a lot of time with this moment. If I'm Deborah Voorhees at that point. Well, no, I'm sorry. If I'm teen at that point. And he says, well, I'm going to go wash up in the river. I, my thought is, you didn't wash up first? Yeah. Now you're going to wash up? Yeah. Anyway. Like, are you just All washing right. up your penis? I, I guess that makes sense. But maybe, okay. Maybe. If that's the case, well. what am I, chopped liver yeah. over here? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, anyway. you just put your pants and you can go back to the house and do that later. I'm still <laughs> yeah, laying here yep. naked. Indoor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I should go wash up too. But yeah, she's there. She just lays there and almost falls asleep, which I was like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like you're just out in the woods. You know, there's people nearby. Well, you got in trouble for this once. Maybe just go ahead and put your clothes on, you know. I'm assuming Eddie brought her to Climax. And then she's also kind of high. So That's I, true, I, I yeah. kind of see it. Yeah, okay. I didn't really have a problem with it. I just Mainly just because you expect no. that, like, okay, she's dead. Like, you yeah. know pretty quickly as soon as he leaves that she's going to die. Right. You should not lay around naked yeah. in the woods and, uh, if you're in a Friday 13th movie. Boy, she does meet her demise, I think, via some hedge clippers that cut her right in the eyes, right? <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's a gruesome scene. Uh, I love that the next time they cut to Eddie, he's done washing up, but is taking time to just throw stones into the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's a, kind, of a, kind of a kooky guy. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess a, a part of me has always thought, just because they're, they're kind of in this halfway house and Tommy is, like, we know Tommy is kind of mentally, you know, unstable. And so all these characters have kind of their own quirks, you know? Right. And I always thought that these two were, like, nymphomaniacs. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't know why. Yeah. I just always assume, like, that's their deal. Well, I and mean. And they're not supposed to be doing that. And that's, like, yeah. what the deal is. As far as the information we have about their characters, what do we know? Yeah. They, they like to get it on. Yeah. They do. In the middle of the day. Um, um, but. But yeah, yeah. Like Eddie really has kind of a kind of a weird vibe to him. Mm-hmm. 
like he he's just he, i don't know he seems loose as a goose going back to that uh yeah <laughs> going back to the area over there but this scene yeah it doesn't end with her murder you know eddie meets uh his own end via a leather yep. strap when he's and i, I kind of liked that scene like i don't know like to me yeah that was a death where you kind of justified not seeing Jason's entire body or at least the hockey mask or whatever because he's behind yeah. a tree and, like, you know, killing him. Creepy guy that was watching gets killed, too. Mm-hmm. He gets stabbed in the stomach, right? It's a threefer. Yeah. So this is a big scene. And then today I watched a music video that you sent me, Craig, and we, we got to talk about this for a second, too, because yeah. it was amazing. So I can't remember what the name of it was now, but you got to tell people about this thing because it's yeah. – we'll so, definitely share it. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I was looking up stuff on this movie, there's a little note at the end of it in, in the old Wikipedias that says there's a song from 2016 called A New Beginning that describes the loss of innocence after watching Friday the 13th, A New Beginning at a friend's house. And I was like, what? So this group uh, called Wolfie's Just Fine, which if you <laughs> know your Terminator 2 yes. uh, references, it's you'll fine. get that, wrote a, wrote a song called A New Beginning and... It's about watching this particular scene and the feelings that it brings about in a young boy who doesn't have a handle on all things sexual yet and certainly isn't ready to see someone just get straight up murdered right in front of him. And, and I, I mean, I've probably watched this thing a thousand times in like the last two weeks because I kind of can't get over how, I mean, in a way it's not, totally dissimilar from my own experience because i was pretty young watching that and you know i can't i can't say that that scene didn't have a similar effect like i mean here's the thing so you're in this horror movie we've had tons of slashers by this point 85 and you have this couple that for whatever else may be wrong with them is a loving couple it's not yeah. a guy who's like browbeating a girl and having sex with them they're happy it's not some lecherous guy attacking her you actually seem to have two people who are really into each other and they want to go do it. And they and look it's good. And kind of nice. Yeah. And they, they look great. Yeah. And and apparently it was always the intention to have a longer scene there. Um, where just it was kind of a, just a place to kind of like chill out. And then, but yeah, so the song describes this kid watching the scene and how it's it's really beautiful and how he's kind of weirded out by the sex, but he's also really excited about it. And then Jason steps in there and everything goes just yeah. pitch black and and just how haunted he is. And I can't get over how, like, that song should probably be ridiculous. Yeah. But I have to say, it's great. No, it's really I mean, touching. Melody-wise, yeah. it's great. And just subject matter is maybe so specific that I can't possibly ignore it. But <laughs> it's really good. And you can hunt it out on YouTube. Again, the name of the group is Wolfie's Just Fine. And the name of the song is A New Beginning. Yeah, And, and, the, and, the, uh, and the video is great. Yeah, I'll say the video is a recreation of the scene. It actually uses like a little bit of the clip from the movie as you know this group of teen, you know, teenage, barely teenage, if that, boys are watching the movie. Uh, and yeah. then one of the boys is kind of inserted into the scene and the recreation is just like screaming as these like horrible things. Yeah. And it's, the song is really kind of like, you know, singer songwriter folksy a little bit. So it's, you know, the song, the music is serious and yeah. you know, I think, yeah, like the subject matter is, is too in a weird way, but it's just using this very sort of specific ridiculous thing 
from this movie that, you know, you got to be a pretty good diehard to, to have seen it in the first place. But it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And if you look in the comments, actually, on the YouTube video, uh, Deborah Voorhees herself commented on it, and she's seen it and loved it. And, and there's, you know, a couple of questions thrown back and forth That's that she awesome. answers. And then, but actually earlier, even before watching this, I had looked her up and sad to report that apparently she's been fired from several teaching jobs uh, in the UK. Oh, yeah. Because of this scene and because of people, students in particular, finding out about it. I think there was one mention of like some boys like texting, you know, images of it with her topless to her and stuff <sighs> like that. And I don't know. It's unfortunate. You know, I don't think she did anything wrong, obviously. No. She did her job. Like she put something into that role and it's, it's very, very memorable. And uh, yeah, you kind of hate, yeah. hate to see that that, that happened. So sidebar. Should we get back to the yeah. killings? Yes, please. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my feelings anymore. Again, we don't know a lot about Tommy. He's, he's played very distantly. Uh, there is the yeah. one moment, though, and I think it maybe was even Eddie when he walks in uh, to breakfast and is wearing a mask and, and is trying to, like, scare Tommy. And, man, Tommy just, ex like, goes Jean-Claude Van Damme on this dude. Like, he's got <laughs> moves. He's ripped and, like just clearly knows how to fight you know and yeah. so there's a bit of a raging bull inside of him which i guess maybe could play into you know us or the movie trying to suggest that maybe it's tommy doing this killing yeah. but man definitely one of my favorite scenes of the movie is <laughs> so unearned but uh reggie <laughs> the young man played by shavar ross from different strokes who is only there at the halfway house because his grandfather works there i think right that's right. His grandfather's a cook. He's always there hanging around. There's What better place to have your grandchildren exactly. hanging around? Yeah. He appears to like being there. He's very friendly with everybody. But um, apparently his brother, I don't know anything else about him, is in town for a little while. Hey, what's his, what's his brother's his name? His brother's name's Demon, Craig. Mm-hmm. Demon. Demon. And so yeah. Reggie's going to go see him that night. And Pam, the female counselor, uh, one of the two counselors, is going to drive him there. And Matt, yep. the other counselor, says, you know what? Why don't you take Tommy with you? Um, it'd be good for him to get off the reservation for a little bit, right? Yeah. So, you know, I didn't think much of anything about this because, like, why would you? Like, what does this have to do with anything, right? Yeah. Turns out Demon is in town, uh, parked in a van, which I think he lives in. At a trailer park, which has a sign, a neon sign, that says trailer park. <laughs> Already, I'm in love with this, okay? The trailer park, trailer park. Reggie goes and, like, knocks on the door of the van, and we meet Tom, uh, Demon, who, uh, where did he go? He's played by Miguel A. Nunez Jr., who's been in a ton mm -hmm. of things. Yep. And... He is dressed in sort of black heavy metal leather, I guess, a mm -hmm. little bit. He's got a bit of a jerry curl going on. One of the first things he says to Reggie is, you hungry? Here, have an enchilada, which made me laugh. Yeah. Big on enchiladas, this guy. Big on enchiladas. Uh, it turns out there's a girlfriend with him, Nina, <laughs> in the other side of the van that Reggie didn't even see at first. She's awesome. And Pam comes over, and they're all talking. And for some reason, it appears as if Tommy just was not invited to come over to the van. Or maybe he just said, you know what? You guys go ahead. I'm going to go stare at the trailer park sign that says trailer park. Right. 
And so as he's doing that, a motorcycle shows up, and it's actually that junior guy, the uh, Ethel's very hick, uh, probably inbred son. I mean, he's definitely not all there, right? He's not all there. Yeah. And, you know, he's revving at Tommy. Tommy jumps out of the way, is scared, because Tommy's, you know, got PTSD. And uh, (laughs) Junior thinks that's hilarious. And then Tommy (laughs) kicks his ass, basically, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Which is great. And that scene, all of it, is really just to set up the fact that then Jason kills yet another person who has to go suddenly take a crap, which is Demon, because those enchiladas, I think, bothered his stomach. Those damn enchiladas, and he runs runs to to an outhouse. (laughs) That's just just a tin-plated outhouse. Yeah. And And, uh, Well, I just want to say, before the end of this scene, I had already written down, if we get two shit deaths, this will be the best movie of all time. (laughs) And... uh, Oh, man, yeah. I got worried for a second because I thought maybe it wasn't going to happen, Craig, because, yeah, the girlfriend shows up, and it turns out she's the one that's sort of, like, shaking the walls of the Portageon making noise, which, yeah. again, what is it with 85, man? We talked about this in Weird Science. You know, you were kind of bothered by the fact that in that scene when Anthony and Michael Hall invites the girls into the bathroom after Wyatt has just taken a dump. I, girls, I mean, women, I know you're out there. Do you, is this? Do you want to be anywhere near anybody <laughs> while they're taking a dump? No, I don't. Especially when they just said, "Oh no, those damn enchiladas," <laughs> and ran, yeah. ran out of the van. No, you don't want to be over there. But she's over there, Maybe like poking cool fun like of that. them, and then they start singing yeah. to each other, Craig, and like I lost it. I mean, that was a different. That was the next level for this thing. That is amazing. And then he tries to leave. I wasn't sure he wiped, but uh, yeah, the girlfriend. Mm killed uh we didn't see her die right no but we saw her on the ground yep she's on the ground so we saw the body and then i don't know i was a little disappointed by the death of demon i mean it does happen in an outhouse so that in and of itself is great but he sort of just gets sure. stabbed by like a i don't know like a metal pole of some kind or something yeah i don't even know where that came from exactly i don't know where it yeah. came from and you just saw it a mile away. like as soon as he got like you know as soon as the guy poked that device through the walls of the outhouse it's like okay yeah he's gonna get impaled on this thing unless he just mm-hmm. tries to leave the outhouse which is what he should have done that said yeah i don't want to take anything away from just how great that is yeah exactly the 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 singing that just leads right into the 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 terrified death yeah and and yeah and and yet again it's it really is like you said it's None of that scene needs to be there. No, I mean that that we would, don't we don't get anything out of any nope, of that. Nothing. There's nothing revealed about Reggie from his brother. I don't know why the brother is in the van. I don't know where he's going afterwards. Yeah. Why Reggie can't just hang out with him? No. Clue. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting to 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 even think. Yeah, exactly. What what is the situation here? Yeah. And uh, uh, and and also to think in terms of like as a as a screenwriter for this movie where it feels like they're just like, it doesn't matter if the scene furthers the plot or gives us any information at all, mm-hmm. but two people need to die right there. Yep. So just, just do something. But it's so great. Yeah. Oh man. But it's so great. But it, yeah, it really feels like someone took that kind of not great assignment 
and just spun gold. Yeah, and because and I I give a lot of credit to the director too at it for making those sure. scenes interesting and, and fun. You know, I mean, and it started with like the greasers, like like we said, like that. I mean, like once you've done that, yeah. I guess you can just cut to anything, and in anywhere and kill anybody, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, all of these kind of have a personality. Yeah. To them. But I would love yeah. it if. Uh, that guy made a song about the demon character, maybe as like a follow up to uh, to his song yeah. about Tina. But yeah, after this, I think Ethel and Junior bite the dust next. The Hicks, you know, they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good death there. Ethel ends up in her own stew. Pretty good. Very high uh, uh, energy. Yeah. There, oh, there's a decapitation. Yeah, Junior gets decapitated, which that I liked. Oh yeah. Uh, he's riding on his motorcycle, going crazy. Some really funny lines from Ethel as she's screaming at him to come inside. That stew. I thought all that stuff was funny. Uh, That's good stuff. And then it's around this point that Pam and Tommy and Reggie come. Well, no, Tommy ran away at the trailer park, Yeah, right? Tommy ran away, so they're looking for Tommy. Yeah, which is weird. But Pam goes back, and Matt is gone, the other counselor. So she just kind of leaves and literally leaves, you know, if you want to call these people – if you want to say it's an asylum, she leaves the lunatics in charge of the asylum, right? Right. She makes Jake the stutterer in charge, I think. And, right. you know, it's at that point where these kids kind of start getting picked off one by one. And mm-hmm. even in that, man, you you still get the nice scene where Jake is telling Robin, oh, man, it was so sad. They're watching TV, and like he's like, I like you a, a lot, a lot, a lot. And then he's like, "I yeah. want to make love to you," and like she, the way she lo- just looks at him and like, la- I mean, it was like, "Oh, this is like heartbreaking." <laughs> yeah. Uh, w- once yeah. again, we have our eighty-five trope of uh, watching what characters are watching on TV. Like they've got some Mon- Montgomery Cliff movie on there. I don't know what it was, but uh, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I guess we this is a, what, whatever." A good yeah, time whatever for the that. stock prices were were uh, 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 cheap enough for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's the movie they'll be watching. Yeah. But it's like yep. after that, I think everybody kind of goes their separate rooms and they end up kind of getting killed in those areas. You know, of yeah. course, you know, Robin, the girl that was on the couch earlier, uh, she gets topless to go to sleep. And did you notice that like when she pulls the sheets up, she stops just under her boobs <laughs> so that they're just hanging yeah. out? I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Like, so. Well, you, you know, know it's 80s. funny you say because because I do think about that a yeah. lot in in other movies too. It's like where you'll have two characters who just had sex, mm-hmm. and you know if it's like if it's a PG thirteen movie, then those sheets like those sheets are like rigidly like oh, up, yeah. up, up to right under your armpits, uh, tight. Don't which lose, yeah, yeah. Does anyone really like immediately just oh, I must cover myself completely now? Yeah. Uh, well, they definitely don't. But yeah, in this movie. but but this yeah. this one was exactly as as sort of uh, pointed as <laughs> yeah. whatever you do, don't cover. Yeah, Showtime, yeah, um, yeah. They're <laughs> hanging out there. Uh, you know, I think it's sort of like a basic machete through the bed springs kind of thing, or mattress, yeah. killing her. Yeah. Um, the girl Violet, who sort of looked like goth Reese Witherspoon to me, mm-hmm. she gets killed. And is dancing sort of a robot Dude, that dance, dance. What was that? That was not the robot. I don't though. know. I don't know what was. <laughs> not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, but she's in her. She's doing her own thing, man. Uh, total weak death though. She just kind of. I think she just gets poked in the stomach, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. A, that was a bit of a letdown to me at that moment in the movie. It feels like you know, I don't know. I'm not that but hard. They just got to get through all these. Yeah. Well, like you got to get through them, but you you would want them to escalate, I would think, right? Like that's the yeah. point of this, right? 
Yeah. Um, like maybe she she could have gone earlier or something. Yeah. I loved that Gramps, his dead body just gets flung through the window. And yeah. I swear, I think his eyes were removed too, weren't they? Yes. Jason's got a thing for eyes in this movie, right? He does. It always makes people squeamish. Yeah. My thing is, uh, and it's really great about all these movies, I think, maybe the first one is a little uh, better logically, but it's like you get to this point in the movie and how in the world is he getting around? Yeah. Dude, like he's like how, a CIA agent in this thing. He's so sneaky. Like, he's oh, slipping man. around and, uh, yeah. He's doing that, but th- but he's also, like, arranging bodies. He's, like, carrying <laughs> stuff over here and putting them over there. Yes. Yep. And waiting for someone to see him and then doing a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's right, because Reggie walks in on, like, the room where four of the, yeah, all four of the others are all, like, positioned on top of each other. The topless one yeah. on top of everybody else, of course, because she's still topless. Um, in Tommy's room, I would add, though, oh, which is another thing I didn't okay. even think about until later. I'm like, oh, it's neither kind of like framing I, Tommy. Neither did I. But it never rang a bell. No, yeah. and it doesn't. Well, because none of the characters suggest that it might be him, you know? Yeah, you kind of wanted somebody to be like, it must be that guy. And they never do. Yeah, no one ever. And I think, honestly, that maybe was all it would take because I did at that point go like, wait a second. Where is the hell? Where is Tommy? Like, what the hell is he doing? Like, he yeah. just ran away from the trailer park? <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's the end of the movie. Shouldn't he be a part yeah. of it? But no, of course he shows back up, but not until we've got a good bit of Pam and Reggie, sort of our final two left here to face Jason. Mm-hmm. I love, there's like a good moment where Reggie just screams at the top of his lungs at the side of Jason and just takes the hell off, like leaving Pam in the dust, which I was like, oh, yeah. that's what that's what you should do. That's what I would do in that situation, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a good moment where... You know, it looks like Pam is perhaps going to get killed and Reggie bust out of the barn in some sort of uh, bulldozing tractor. Bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which still felt like it was moving pretty slow to then run into <laughs> it Jason. Was. It was. He had time to move out of the way. I'll say that much. Sure. He did not move out of the way. And keep in mind, it's not actually Jason. It's just a paramedic. You'd think he would move out of the way. Yeah. You know, it's, he, he must know what's yeah. going to happen. But knocks him down to the point where those two. Flying. Those two think he's yeah. dead. Yeah. He's not dead. Uh, I think they run into the barn. You get a little bit of chainsaw versus machete here. Pretty pretty good matchup. Pretty good matchup, although the chainsaw just stops working, of course. You yeah, know. yeah. So Pam's a little bit out of luck there. And then uh, Tommy does show up. And I thought it was a little bit interesting that their strategy was to just go into the loft of the barn. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure Jason can climb a ladder too. And he does. <laughs> There's some, definitely some moments in this yeah. bit. Where I'm kind of like, what is the plan? Yeah. What are we doing? I mean, I get it, you know, because it just felt like, well, they're just trying to hide, right? And then, yeah. you know, we get a shot of the fact that there's some sort of farming device that has, I don't know if it's like used to, uh, what do you call that when you uh, puncture the ground for planting things? Oh, like aerating, aerating. or something? Yep, that's it. There you go. Yeah. That's our farming uh, podcast uh, segment tonight. <laughs> uh, so there's one of those on the ground outside the barn. And you know very clearly that Jason's going to end up falling on this thing, right? Uh, oh, yeah. To his death. And that is indeed what happens, but not before he falls out and doesn't fall down. And Craig, I watched that thing and I looked. I don't think there's any way, in, there's nothing for him to hang on to. Like, wh- how did he not fall down all the way? Or if he's hanging on to the side of the barn there after he fell out, they should be able to mm-hmm. see his hands and his arms, should they not? Yeah. Because they walk over to the edge as if, like, okay, he fell down, and let's see if he's dead. And, oh, oh, no, he's not. He's right there, actually. He grabs us. Yeah, I've always, I like the physics of this, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there, you know, there are plenty of movies that do this where you, you get knocked out of a thing and it's like, well, that person fell to their death, but then they're actually hanging, hanging on somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, it doesn't matter. You just have to, you have to kind of assume that there was just a little bit of Jason magic in that hockey mask. Yeah, I think so. I can, I can see that. And, well, and that's what kind of saved him at that moment. I was kind of expecting Tommy to use some of his Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme moves to like sure. get in a good kick and send Jason flying off the side there. I don't think that was what was happened exactly. I can't remember now. doesn't matter. He ends up dying. Yeah. I think the mask came off in the fall, right? Because yes. they look down and they see that it is a paramedic, right? Yeah, yeah. They definitely see his face. I've already talked about my disappointment of that. We won't even get into it again because... Uh, this is a movie, and I think, again, this kind of like parlays into the problem of the the reveal there is that there's still like four different endings that happen after this. You know, <laughs> I felt like they couldn't quite figure out how and where to end the movie. So ultimately yeah. we're left with Tommy in a hospital room. Uh, he has a dream about Jason, I think. And then mm-hmm. he opens up his nightstand drawer and a hockey mask is in it. I don't know how the hell that got in there, who let him bring that in or what happened. Uh, well, he dreams that he kills Pam. Right. And he wakes up from that and Jason is standing, I think, at the foot of his okay. bed. Okay. And this is the real dream, a, here's right? a subtle thing. I don't know. Wait a second. Here's a subtle thing. Are you about to blow my mind? I, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if this will blow your mind. But it's something I certainly appreciated as a as a fan of Friday the 13th when I was watching this movie. Is there are two... Like the hockey mask that Roy uses is not Jason's hockey mask. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Like there, there's a very subtle... It definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a very subtle difference there. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like whenever you see anyone with a hockey mask that has like a red triangle on it, you're looking at the real Jason. Or Tommy is imagining the real Jason. Okay. If you're seeing one with the blue triangles on it, yeah, then that's, that's the paramedic. Roy. Okay. So, so you've got, but you've got, yeah, you've got Red Triangle Jason here at the end. And why didn't they ever and, make a movie um, called Red Triangle Jason? I think it's still it's it's in turnaround. Okay, sorry. They yeah. just they've been trying to get it. Uh, anyway, but uh, Tommy gets up. Yeah, he goes to a drawer. He opens a drawer. There's a mask, and I think it was Roy's mask. That was a blue triangle. Kind of interesting. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure. Let me just look for one second because I actually have it. Yeah. He pulls out the blue triangle mask, which is kind of, I don't know what that means. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know who put that there. Jason's ghost didn't put that there. No. Does Jason want him to be Jason? That doesn't make any sense. If he can put masks in drawers, he can do whatever he wants probably. But Tommy then does assume the mantle of Jason, does he not? That is very much what is uh, uh, suggested there by the very okay. end. Because Pam walks in, the window's broken. It seems like Tommy has left. But then behind her, the door closes, and it's Tommy. He's got the mask on. He raises a knife, and then we're off into the credits. And and that was that was what they were gonna. That was what they were trying to do. Okay. They, they 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 wanted it to be that Tommy Jarvis was now Jason, and he would kind of, you know, he had just totally snapped, and he would carry on. And is that like what Jason happens in part six? Not at all, because oh, people did not like this movie. It did not make a lot of money. <laughs> right. And they said, Except let's me, pretend yeah. like that never happened. Oh, man. Well, and, and that's kind of what's great is, yeah. man, I, I, I wish I wish we could just have a marathon. Like, I would love to sit and watch these with you. Because because then six definitely, six is definitely a child of five in the best possible way. Okay. 
and and it, you know it, it kind of acknowledges all the stuff that happened and it's kind of got another good sense of humor and it's also a really fun movie well craig anyway. uh i actually watched this movie by signing up for a free trial of stars uh that oh, yeah. stars with a z oh, do you have them all yeah. they've got uh one through eight available oh. <laughs> uh so you know if you're interested yeah, you can get a seven-day free trial through Stars, and it looks like it. Uh, yeah, one through eight are all there. I would assume at least through through Halloween. So yeah, maybe I'll try to knock out because uh, I was definitely thinking that's I was like, man, I want to see four for sure because um, yeah. I love that Feldman scene in the opening. And um, yeah, okay, six, I'll do that for sure. Man, that's exciting. I'm so excited <laughs> for you right now. Sean. I know. I was kind of like, yeah, I was like, I can't believe like I was not, you know. And I do think, yeah, my expectations were low. But and they should kind of be. They low. should for a movie that's a like that's fifth, a good place to come in. Yeah, with, yeah, a fifth in a series, and you're restarting things, and you know Jason's sure. supposed to be dead and all that stuff. I was not expecting it to be as fun as it was, and I do think again, like craft wise, there's some good stuff in here. Uh, it's not is. just this is not a so bad it's good movie. Uh, each no. there's a ton of characters that each have a little bit of personality and something distinguished about them, something fun. Even Craig, I noticed in the cast uh, there's somebody named Pete who I wonder if maybe was one of the greasers, played by Corey Parker, who was Epstein in Biloxi Blues. You remember that guy? Oh, that makes sense. I was gonna say those guys did seem so familiar. I love Biloxi okay. Blues. Yeah. I think that was an '86 movie. Anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a ton of people in this thing that you might recognize in different things. I, I think Sheriff Tucker I recognized uh, from a million different things as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it look, if you're the producer of this movie, this made me excited to watch more. So I think that's yeah. maybe all they were hoping for, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody involved, just, just take a moment to give yourself a big pat on the back. You've got Sean watching the whole series. Kudos, yeah. Friday the 13th, Part 5. Craig, I don't know that we have anything else to say about this thing. Anything you want to add? Not at all. I think we I think we covered all the ground we need to. Well, what's the better of the two movies for you? Do you want to pick one? Can you pick one? It's tough right now, honestly. I was going to say, like, it's hard for you to disassociate your childhood feelings for these things. Well, but that's the thing. Like, now I have new feelings for Nightmare 2. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and, and kind of, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just need to make these a double feature for the next few weeks. Yeah, I think they were a perfect double feature. It's it's really interesting to watch, especially thinking about yeah the box office of the two, and kind of uh, yeah being the two big horror movies of the year, and obviously iconic franchises. Yeah, nineteen eighty five delivered, man. Again, yeah, absolutely. Well, come back next time. We ah oh, crap, I can't remember what we're doing, but we got two more movies at least that we're going to continue down this road here until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. check back next time we'll keep you posted we'll do another tee up right on we'll see you in uh, in uh, 1985 yeah happy halloween happy halloween